everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast. And in this episode, we're going to cover the essential self-work tools that we think are really important for these uncertain times we're in. So we're going to talk about three specific areas. We're going to talk about mindset. You know, this is kind of like the top-down approach, like what are we focusing on? We're going to talk about the importance of psychological, somatic work, what that means. And then we're going to talk about the spiritual connection, connection to essence, and how this is all related to supporting us through these kind of just crazy transformative times. Um, But before we get into that, uh, just a few more spots are open for Embodied Soul Awakening, our flagship 12-week group program with myself and Bernhard. Um, We launch on Monday, which is going to be the 25th. 25th. That's going to be the pre-work. So we have a few spots available. Um, We're going to go in way more depth into many of the things that we go into the podcast and way more in our 12-week group coaching program. And we find that like, you know, it's one thing to do self-work on your own, but it really bumps it up to another level to do it in a group of people. So if you really want some support and a structure and a guided container and coaching from Bernhard and I, we're taking a few more people in and you can go and apply at www.thetimeoftransition.com. So it's thetimeoftransition.com. All right, so let's dive into it, uh, giving you guys some essential self-work tools for uncertain times. And these are uncertain times indeed, so I really want to talk about this a little bit at first, um, because we need to strike a balance here, be, you know, as, as it's saying goes, we have to face reality as it is, not as we like, want, or hope it to be. So there needs to be a reality check in a sense. But on the other side of the coin, without getting into, you know, paranoid fear projections, doom and gloom scenarios, getting blackpilled, nihilistic, depressive, and all of that. So we're in tough times, right? With everything that's happening, they announced another variant that's supposedly monkeypox and all of that. We have an economic quote-unquote meltdown, the recession, the inflation, printing money out of nowhere. That's really affecting people not only in the U.S., but all over the world. Um, uh, Your fiat money is getting more and more worthless, so to speak. So a lot of people are struggling. We want to really uh, uh, acknowledge that on many different levels, not only physically, financially. Relationships are going through a lot. There are relationship struggles, loneliness, you know, with this whole splitting of humanity, with everything happening with the woke and the COVID and all of that, the vaccine propaganda and all of that included. So that just creates a lot of, friction, a lot of isolation, a lot of stuff comes up for a lot of people. So it can be extremely overwhelming, traumatizing, and just, you know, just a lot to live through right now. And these are uncertain times. So this is not about, uh, it's not about either way. It's not about hopium, <laughs> nor is it about, you know, fear, paranoia, and all of that. But facing reality as it is, understanding the bigger lesson that all these are lessons. And again, I have to say it over and over again, there is also opportunity in all of that. As I mentioned before, with everything that's happening right now in the world as well, it, there's a paradox. Uh, there, it has also triggered an quote-unquote awakening or awakening impulse in many, many people. Yes, many other people have dove more into delusion and, you know, buying the Kool-Aid, so to speak. So there's a splitting of humanity. There won't be a collective awakening anytime soon. But it has triggered an awakening, has forced many of us to 
face ourselves look take a deep look into the mirror it forces us to focus on what truly matters and therein lies an opportunity but work needs to be done inner and outer work yeah and i think it's really important that people realize that what goes on on your screen on your computer on the internet on social media is not quite real life i get how it affects people's real life but You know, I think that people tend to almost like hook into this collective chaos, this fear, this constant polarization, constant drama that's going on on the internet. And then what they do is they overlay what they're seeing online into their real life. And that's not helping anyone. I know for myself too, like I have to take a step away from social media and really orient and become present to actually what is going on in my reality right now and not getting so hooked into the information and then like almost like following these streams of consciousness that put me into like a fear-based mindset. And I'm not saying this is like a new age pass, like a, you know, there's obviously a lot of like people who are going to be in poor health and even dying because of the mandates and, you know, the whole medical tyranny we're dealing with. So we are dealing with some pretty dark stuff, like don't get me wrong. However, there is an immense divide and conquer agenda, which is also being fueled through our emotional energy. And we have to be really mindful on where we're giving our energy away and how that's affecting our state of consciousness in everyday life. Yes, exactly. Very good point. Because, you know, with the, I mean, it's a, it's a two-edged sword, you know, with this information age we're in, we're more glued on the internet, Twitter, social media, Facebook, Telegram, and all these, we get information, YouTube, or rumble and all these alternative outlets and it's important to get informed but we can also easily get sucked into and as laura just said and mistake that for reality right and while we need to be aware of what's happening in the world so to speak making the darkness conscious we don't want to dwell on it you don't want to get too sucked into to become blackpilled you know there's a lot of nonsense in the in the mainstream out there we need to question and the the gaslighting the propaganda but having said that there is a lot of nonsense in the so-called conspiracy world and so-called truth movement out there as well i've been in this again like digging down the rabbit hole for the past 20 years and there's i mean so many dead and so much nonsense people can get lost in it and literally lose it become psychotic with all these um the fear projections into the future right so a lot of people dealing with a lot Uh, feelings of anxiety, fear, sadness, anger, frustration, and the temptations always to externalize it, blame it, and all of that. And on top of it, I might add that many people are getting stuck on on, meaning stuck in high states of activation, anxiety, that's where the racing thoughts come from, or they're getting stuck on off. So they're getting depressed, low energy, feeling unmotivated. And both of these are signs that you are basically stuck in a trauma response. So we have to start to also even psycho-educate ourselves on the symptoms of trauma pay attention to the state of our own body, our nervous system. And we'll go into that a bit later because I'm noticing more and more, you know, especially people who are like really kind of like online and just constantly posting conspiracy stuff and just what's going to happen kind of stuff. And they're really orientated towards, you know, them and their agenda, you know, not to say that there isn't one, but they're almost like in this, 
hyper fixated trauma response on like what's going wrong what's the next thing that's you know? a good point and i'm noticing quite a few people spiral down that you know and i have to say for myself you know we just went out like we just came out through a pretty intense group program lots of death lots of grief that people are dealing with you know and you're going to have to anchor some sort of higher force, which we're going to get into the last part of this podcast, in order to survive these times. And I really mean that because that's what helps me is that if I get hooked into the matrix collective fear frequency, I'm only going to spiral down into a trauma response eventually. So we have to be really mindful that, you know, there's, if you want to talk about awakening, then there's an opportunity right now to use the chaos, to use the crisis, to really become more anti-fragile and learn how to contact our true nature, the part of us that never dies regardless. Yeah. And so a lot of people are almost getting trapped in like the matrix or samsara and they're just spiraling. And I'm noticing when I see, you know, just witness how people are being and even in the world or whatever, maybe not so much in Arizona, but I'm noticing a lot of people even being hyper fixated in this like trauma response. What's going to go wrong? What's next? And yes. it's like their mental health is not doing so well. So you really got to prioritize yourself if you're getting kind of caught in the information and like just taking in stuff that's making you feel even worse because that's if you want my opinion on like the ultimate like matrix kind of controller plan is to mass traumatize us yes and also keep us uh, distracted with the shadows on the wall as i said many times and yeah we i've written about it over the past 20 years about the agenda for multi-dimensional levels we post about it on uh, on telegram here and there but at some point you know you know the overall agenda you can you don't want to get too fixated on it because the, the, the awakening is not going to happen by just sharing information online. Exactly. Right? I'm sorry. I mean, if, if that would be the case, we would have been enlightened already years ago. Um, so this is not, it's not, you will also never, ever truly figure out the quote matrix intellectually because it itself, it's a mind program. You know, it works through you, through us. It's not out there externally. So, you know, while, as I said before, we need to be aware objectively, but don't feed it, you know, make the darkness conscious, but don't dwell on it. Ultimately, we need to create something new. We just step in our creative power. And that's what I mean with the opportunity also in your own life, in your personal life and for the world to step in your creative potential, which was the topic of our last podcast and really create something new, a new timeline. That's what we need to step into. And it's not going to happen just by external action alone, the inner work, the inner attitude, the inner life is so important so with that being said let's go into one of the the first key areas so we want to address once again we're going to go into mindset psycholo psychological somatic work and this your spiritual connection your essence so mindset speaking of what we just um, 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 addressed the ultimate question is also what do you focus on where's your attention at that's very, very important. This day and age, we get so easily distracted in this information overload where everybody is suffering more and more from the attention, short attention <laughs> span epidemic and ADHD, which is in itself a trauma response, actually, right? Yes. Not being able to hold attention, always being also unconsciously addicted to dopamine hits by scrolling down well, social media or jumping from information to information to kind of feed something within yourself. Can I say something Go about ahead. that? 
that stems from the inability to also be in the present moment. Yes, exactly. You know, and so usually we learn ADHD from being in a, chi a childhood environment where it wasn't safe to be present. There was just chaos or fighting or something going on. So we learn how to just our attention just or maybe we just grew up in a chaotic home. Like it's interesting because most of the children I knew who were diagnosed with ADHD grew up in chaotic homes. And what can, can you see you put a child who's very pure in their essence in chaos, of course they're going to get ADHD because there's so much going on around them. Exactly. So what where's your attention at? Because what we're dealing with is also the attention economy. Everybody wants is out for your attention. We are in informational warfare and the how the matrix works works is also to kind of distract you with certain things, right? To get your attention. Even like we see this again in the so-called quote unquote truth conspiracy movement, where people just dwell always on this next um, you know sigh up on this agenda and this and back and forth and it can sap your energy so the question you may want to ask you as well is what media and information are you consuming right it's also certain information can also pollute you in a way and i'm not trying to pull a new age bypass of, of you know denying the dark and, and just looking at the light no we need to be very discerning also well how does this information serve you right in this very moment right for example all these mass shootings happening like at some point okay i know these are psyops these are uh, you know Uh, socially engineered and all of that i don't need to constantly look into it and and dwell on it it's nothing's going to change about posting about it so what information media are really consuming and i have to say you know this is the best time to start learning some sort of practical skill that you can offer the world like yes. You know, so this is a question of the Taurus North Node, which we're still in. So we're still in the, the South Node of the Moon is in Scorpio. The North Node of the Moon is in Taurus. And so collectively, this is about resources on either end of that polarity, you know. And so you see the themes of like people are financially struggling. Things are getting more expensive, inflation, etc., Okay, if that's the case, this is the best time to put your mind and energy off learning a new skill that can serve this new age that we're entering into, you know, so we really have to understand that, like, you know, the power is really within us. Of course, inflation is going to affect a lot of people, but the best thing that you can do is focus on something that will be a resource for you in the future and use these times, these times of struggle or whatever is going on with you to really build up some valuable skill that you can basically think can help this new era. It's exactly. so critical because I noticed too, even with myself, I have to be very disciplined with the things that I learn and the courses I take on, the way that I educate myself. The discipline is really key. You have like the world in front of you in this age, you know, you can literally learn how to do anything with your computer right now. This is an amazing time we live in and people waste it by scrolling through social media, by consuming information. And I would suggest, especially when Pluto enters Aquarius, become a creator, not a consumer. Yes, very, very important. So that's the analyze the opportunity I was mentioning before as well. You need to take, you know, don't get out of the victim consciousness. Yeah, anybody who's financially struggling, I know it can be tough, but it's an opportunity. Educate yourself, financial education. Take Again, like Laura said, there's so much, quote-unquote, free education on YouTube and all of that if you really want to learn a specific skill or something you already know inherently, but it, it requires your effort and work. Nobody's going to do it for you. Mm. It requires risk and all of that. So you have to have a certain mindset and especially the attention and the focus. Yes. Even like Laura said, I need to 
Now, every day it's my challenge to stay focused, to stay disciplined. Laura and I, we learn new skills every day. We take courses, work with coaches. I learn, uh, I kind of sign up to, to a course of something I want to learn all the time. I keep educating myself in order to create more and more, right? It's a both, it's learning and creating at the same time. But we need to like take our lives in our own hands and that, that takes self-responsibility and a certain anti-fragile mindset. And um, will. And will. The will is key. We need to engage the will. We have become very, we, we mentioned this before, I believe in our past podcast, people have become more consumers rather than creators. Yeah. But it takes work and effort, right? You cannot get around it. Um, so it's also, there are many unconscious self-defeating mechanisms people have. Many of us, I have worked through them. That goes deep into psychological work unconscious self-sabotage mechanisms you know all of that um, uh, even goes deep into spiritual work and and beliefs we have around the world and all of that so we need to really really do a deep dive and honest dive within ourselves and make priorities that's also very very key right uh, and ultimately also despite the craziness out there it's about having a healthy sense of optimism seeing opportunity in any situation and I don't mean blind faith in the sense of just the narrative, just like contrived positivity, positivity, but healthy optimism because there's an opportunity here right now. And can I say, you know, like for many people, I can already hear their thoughts or like it's easier said than done because when you have a really strong inner critic, which is again, a trauma response to try and keep you feel safe, then the trauma work will be really key. So if you're having trouble being optimistic, you feel depressed, negative, you're always just kind of complaining. This is also a symptom of depression and a symptom of trauma. So you got to work on your own, like even just taking an information diet and like working on your own mental and spiritual and emotional health would be good for you, you know, because it's easy to be optimistic when you're taking care of yourself yes. mentally, psychologically, physically, spiritually. It comes naturally. But for many people, they have a very strong inner critic. And the inner critic's main affect, emotion that it will put in you is shame. And shame, we've talked, check out that podcast that we did. We did a whole amazing podcast about how to heal toxic shame. Um, it's really, I, I, a lot of people got a lot out of that one, you know, because if you like, this is again, kind of leading back to it, you need to understand the symptoms of trauma within you and how they manifest. And if you are in that trauma response, cutting yourself off from all this kind of fear and doom and gloom media that's going on out there and just kind of creating a container around yourself so you can work on your own health should be your priority because as things amp up who knows what's going to happen this winter like if you understand that the ultimate goal is to like mass traumatize people which i'm personally a little bit kind of mindful of happening because Pluto and Aquarius could also symbolize mass trauma. That's mm -hmm. a trauma signature. So they could turn up the volume on some, on, on a lot of stuff. So we have to be able to uh, basically kind of downregulate and deal with ourselves when we get these kind of breath of fresh airs and there's not like major lockdowns or something because they're going to try and do it again. Yeah. I personally believe it's so. Already, it's already happening. Yeah. So like if you're, if you're in this constant negativity spiraling, just constantly thinking negative thoughts, then you have to take care of yourself. And, and keep in mind the matrix forces, they also try to keep you head centric in a fear state externally oriented, right? I see this kind of trap falling many quote unquote, truth seekers you know 
always outside blaming. And also, if you lack this inner work and take responsibility, if you have lacked the self-awareness to observe yourself, you will always project externally. You keep yourself in like the victim state, so to speak, right? And and give your life force away, basically. So it is about healthy optimism and also rejecting fear, right? That's the frequency they try to put us into. And hence, we need all these practices uh, to engage in, in because we all at Laura have the inner critic, the manager, and all of that that relates to trauma, our own shadow, even other forces or call forces feeding us. We never question where our thoughts come to begin with. But the key point for all this work, by the way, for any inner work on mindset, psychological, uh, spiritual work, is self-awareness and self-observation, right? To be really, to study yourself, become curious about yourself, to not mechanically react or justify, rationalize, excuse so mindset is a very, very important key. It ties into many other things. All is holistic, all is interrelated. That's in our course, again, we go deeper based on this fourfold approach, holistic self-work, because we need to work on all areas simultaneously, even like on a very basic how food, diet affects your brain in thinking, right? If you, that that kind of already, if you lack of healthy fats, for example, acetos and all of that can affect already your brain can even result in depression and whatnot. Substance abuse, people nowadays, you know, part Mariana has become very like almost overrated in terms of quote unquote medicine, but there's also dangers to that. It keeps you also kind of checked out, can be abused in many ways, alcohol and all of that. So it is about really being very, very honest with yourself and stop lying to yourself. Yeah. And generally speaking, like, let me just speak on the diet piece because I find that sometimes people hyper fixate on that area and yes. to the point where it actually creates more fear and more paranoia in them because they're like just totally militant about what they should and shouldn't eat. And from my experience, you know, if you're already feeling not so great, then eating sh crap food, like going to get fast food or deep fried food or Sugar. whatever, will usually make you feel worse. Typically, I'm just speaking from my own experience, you know. So if you're feeling like tired and low energy or whatever, yeah, you got to work on your diet. But that could also be trauma, you know, and we have to understand that the emotional, psychological and spiritual will ultimately override any good diet. And I know that from my own personal experience that I've had like a focused on diet first, really cleaning up my diet, thinking that it was just my diet that I needed to fix. And it didn't fix actually my symptoms of trauma. So like, you know, we want to kind of nail our diet, but we also don't want to get into this weird obsessed, no. obsessed yeah. like health obsessed. Because I see people really go off the deep end in these days and be like, even I did a post about um, healing depression. And then one person was like, depression all has to do with diet. And I was like, <laughs> okay, it's a factor for it's sure. Part of, yeah. But it's not, I would say it's like maybe like a 15% factor at best. So like, you know, we want to also not you know we want to eat foods that are nourishing that feel good that feel grounding for our body that make us feel strong but we also don't want to use diet as a way of getting in another paranoid mindset as well because ultimately if you're psychologically emotionally spiritually healthy you can actually go and eat at a restaurant every now and then it's not going to do anything to you yeah you don't want to become neurotic about it exactly because there can also be a trauma response being obsessed with the physical body and, yes. and and diet and then it gets you know you know you see a lot of people in the biohacking community sometimes they're obsessed with the physical performance of their body and it's yeah. it's actually very anti-spiritual it's, it's very obsession yes. with the materialistic body 
So right? maybe can we be should... more damaged than, than any good. So yeah, so that was mindset. So again, like take care of your mindset. What do you focus on? What do you consume information ways? What are your priorities? What where can you learn more? Be creative, learn a new skill, engage, all of that, you know, be creative. Um so the second one, let's look into obviously it relates to its psychological somatic work. Very, very important in this uh, day and age. And number one that stands out, we have done recently a masterclass on that, and we go again deep, way deep on this in our online course, is shadow work. Shadow work is the name of the game. We don't, I, I don't think we need to repeat it again. We have done a few episodes on this topic already, but really understanding what is shadow work, how to do it, why it's very important, being aware of your triggers and projections. It's mm. very, very key in this day and age because what we're dealing with is a lot of psychic archetypal forces. What's happening externally is also an unconscious manifestation of the collective unconscious and even our personal unconscious. And the the more we only see it externally, we just keep going round and round in the wheel of the matrix samsara. Yeah, and then you see this with the polarization between the left and the right they're both shadow projecting on each other like intensely. And that's exactly what these kind of occult darker forces will feed off of. They just want this collective shadow projection going on and it's happening on both sides. That's the issue is like neither side is taking responsibility for it. So, you know, our own piece is to catch our own negative projections towards others use that as material to understand more about ourselves, more about the parts we've disowned. And then also the positive projections, which seem to be less these days, to be honest. But like, you know, we just live in this era of like collective shadow projection. Like, and even we were talking about this the other day is like, we probably don't catch like 70 to 80% of our shadow projections. But if it's really emotionally charged and it's like above a four on a scale of one to 10 of your trigger towards someone or something, you can guarantee it's either a trauma response or your own shadow is being involved, you know? And ultimately, you know, the moment that you start to fixate on a trait in another person and make kind of make them into like all good or all bad, then that, then you know that your shadow is also playing a part so you see that actually out in the world like you know you see this immense splitting like these are the evil people these are the good people you're either on this side or that side you know this is that psychological splitting which creates a shadow projection and it's like you know you have to be way more interested in your responses to other people than what other people are doing or who you think they are because if you want to take it even further every label that you attach to reality is ultimately a projection. It doesn't mean that either they're like harmful. Like even when I project, like, so I can project onto a tree. I can look at a tree and be like, oh, that's a nice tree. I wonder what tree that is. Oh, I feel this way. Like every single perception, perceptual layer that I attach to reality is a projection. So if you want to get really nuanced with it, you'll see that we literally are projecting all the time onto reality. We're putting our thoughts, our ideas, our emotions, our narrative onto certain things and saying, this is the way it is. And the moment that we do that, we actually step out of the greater field of awareness, this witness observer that we were just speaking about and we forget ourselves so you know first you actually have to be able to work with your emotionally charged projections and be 
pretty skilled at doing that and at least catching the more intensely charged ones. And then later on, if you really want to access this true field of like awareness before things like, you know, the true state of awareness is free of projections, basically. It's a higher state. Yes, it's very, you'll get glimpses (laughs) of it. You'll get glimpses of it when your mind is empty and you don't have thoughts. You get little wisps of it. It's always there. But you know, a true awakening, you can stabilize that state. And then you just become less attached to the ideas that you have about things. You're just like, you know yeah. what I mean? It ties in the trap of identification because what Laura just mentioned, we see this a lot. You know, we talk about the woke left, the hot left, the vehicle for a neo-Marxist communist agenda and definitely infused by call forces, anti-divine and all of that. It's very disturbing. Having said that, what's, what's, what we see now and what see happening is it's almost... It's almost creating this knee-jerk reaction on the right. Yes. And this very like dogmatic Christian, or might trigger some people here, dogmatic Christian revival, this Bible thumping and accepting Jesus as, as your savior, even from the new age, people all of a sudden jump from new age into like Bible thumping, dogmatic Christianity, literally the savior program. You're born and, a sinner, and, you're going and to And all hell. of that, and it's all this Bible thumping is choosing one dogma to the another. But it's also, ironically, it's also based just like the woke left is coming from a moral superiority judgmental place. Then the right with the religious uh, Bible thumping is also coming from the superiority moral, yes. <laughs> uh, higher, uh, you know, moral superiority and also virtue signaling in their own way. That's the irony, two sides of the same coin. And, and that's the idea. Essentially, it's what I call the trap of identification, right? like the true Christian teachings, which I've studied, which I also practice, esoteric Christianity, you don't need to go around preaching or telling people that you need to accept Jesus as your Savior. You live with this deep heart-centered approach of service and being that, embodying that Christ consciousness. Yeah. But what I want to also address <clears throat> on that token, we're not implying, uh, you know, the middle ground, you know, it's almost a middle ground fallacy. This is not about, you know, you can easily then morph this easily into this, you know, non-duality approach, non-duality teaching, and we should just be neutral and not engage in anything. No, 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 no. The non-duality state of mind, I think we have talked about, so it's an extreme higher level of being, almost enlightened state, that can easily be abused by just an intellectual understanding, right? Yeah, no, In the no, sense of no, we no, really no. want to make this clear, this is not about like uh, the middle ground fallacies because it's all it's, what we're trying to get is all is everything is way more nuanced and not that black and white. Does it make well, sense? Well, basically, you know, the way that I see it is that in order to get to that true state of awareness, you have to individuate. Yes. But then eventually, at a certain point of your individuation, like if you want to go by the evolutionary astrology framework, first stage individuation you kind of just start trying things out and you're trying to break from the consensus and you have one foot in one world one foot in the other second stage individuation you actually start to really hardcore rebel and you're like throwing off all of the conditioning from society and at that stage people tend to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Um, meaning they just rebel for the sake of rebellion. They're like rebe- rebels without a cause. They're just yeah. like hardcore Aquarius kind of like, you know, revolutionaries, like just total even anarchy would fit into that. 
And the third stage individuation, you actually, you, you start to develop a real gift that's very unique that you can offer the world and you bring it back to the consensus. So you're not battling the consensus anymore. It's almost like in second stage individuation, you're almost like trying to like desperately hold on to your individuality and you're like, screw you. And you feel like you have to fight everyone for it. But then there's almost a softening, this like Neptunian orientation to third stage individuation where you just allow yourself to be a unique individual and bring that back into the world. And then when you, and then you, when you, from that, from the third stage individuation, you're going to move into spiritualization. And then that's an interesting jump as well, because it's almost like you kind of had this like hard one individuation. You focused on developing the small self, but then there's another sacrifice where you have to sacrifice that small self to the greater self, the yeah. greater reality that you are. That is exactly what Shirobinder called the sacred sacrifice, right? Yes. Was the sacrifice almost in the surrender to the divine, which is a later state comes. Exactly. And it ties into what Carl Jung said, right? We need to build a healthy ego and individuate itself. Even Shirobinder talked about this before you can engage into spiritual deeper work and then give yourself completely to the greater self yeah so what i'm saying for people is like kind of like see where you are on that stage because at one point especially that second stage of individuation it actually is better for you to not hear the other side and kind of just focus on like, what do I believe? What do I think? You know, really focus on your individuation. But then once you work, reach to that kind of last final stage of individuation before spiritualization, um, you know, you, you have to more open up to the wider reality. You and can't get so fixated on your beliefs, what I think you're bad and I'm right. You know, there's a yeah. certain stage where that's even appropriate. So you can really discover yourself, but then eventually you're going to have to get rid of that and really look at things through a more holistic vision and it's going to be hard it's not easy yeah yeah exactly so psychological somatic work we just mentioned shadow work that's key we've talked about it a lot um we go deeper again in our course there's a lot of material on my website in our podcast you know understand it be aware of your triggers projections be responsible that takes a lot of work a lot of psychic energy a lot of awareness a lot of humility you know, and it can be, it's not easy work. It's always more tempting to project and justify our projections and triggers. So what does it mean on a practical level, especially somatic? We want to approach it somatically. Soma meaning through the body, because I've seen so many people over the years, myself included, by the way, early on, that you can easily fool yourself you're doing the work by just intellectualizing it, but not embodying it, working through your body, because your body holds the shadow, unconscious material. Wherever you have tension, these are unprocessed emotions. There's emotions you suppress, you don't want to feel, or even experiences, your body holds it. I know that. I've worked as a, a professional body worker, massage therapist, and healer for over 20 years, had my own private practice. I've worked on thousands of people. Your body is your walking biography. Your body holds everything. So the work needs to be done through the body, which is your temple. The body has the wisdom to help you on this, to support you on this. But the key point is to get into your body. And soul evolution, like the soul is experienced through emotion. So, you know, that's what I tell people, you know, we do, I offer astrology readings in the course, we go into evolutionary astrology. And I must stress that if you're working with your deeper soul lessons, it has to be processed emotionally. That's the starting point. So you get an intellectual understanding of what you need to do, and then you need to live it 
through your emotions. You need to be fully immersed in your soul purpose with all the range of emotions that include it. And that's a really vulnerable way to live. And that's why most people do escape into the head and they do disassociate because that feels safer for them. Or they have the dogmatic approach, approach to religion or spirituality. It yes. becomes more intellectual, um, how can I say, Bible thumping or anything, you know, well, without actually living it, embodying, the, for example, the Christ consciousness. Yeah, and I think, you know, like a, a friend of ours recently commented that he thinks that reverting back to this old style Christianity is actually the primitive brain. It's a fight, flight, fearful response mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm. just needing to almost revert back to a more primitive way of being because they're terrified, you know. It's almost like a spiritual bypass in a sense. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's, psychological it's, it's more like a trauma response, actually. Right, right. So it's, it's a like, trauma response. Yeah, yes. because they're just they're in grasping this primitive on some, fear. Give me, give me some belief that makes me uh, yeah, holds me on to it's, that. It's right. all root chakra stuff. Like I'm scared to death about my death, so I need to grasp onto something that kind of kind of confirms my fear. You know. Mm -hmm. So we want to just watch out for that, you know, because I do personally, if you look at the cycles that are coming up, Pluto and Aquarius is going to enter 2023, and then we're going to have 20 years of that, which is going to be wild. But then we are going to be probably, maybe not all of us, but some of us are going to be alive for Pluto and Pisces. And if we want to talk about an opportunity for collective awakening, I personally think it's going to come then. So we're priming ourselves right now. Like we're, we're going to, we're going to go through this together and it's going to be a really exciting time to be alive but we have to be able to recognize the signs of trauma and we also have to be willing to individuate and individuation begins with withdrawing your projections and owning your shadow material and integrating your personal unconscious that's the basics yeah so and then some other tips again somatically you know engage in body mind practices i've been talking i've been doing this Lauren, I also for 15, 20 years, the consistency is key. Do your Qigong, your yoga, get off the screen. Discipline is needed again. And the will, it's about a consistency. It's not one day for two, three hours, but every day a little bit. You know, working out, finding good weights, it kind of seems to be very hyped, it's finding good, but they can also be easily used, as seen as a trauma response to harden your muscles, to get out of, out of body more, to build you know, to armor up your uh, your emotional body and all of that. Yeah, I mean, and strength is important. We need to work on that aspect as well. But I've seen this whole workout culture also being used as a as a trauma response or the addiction with the physical body. Yeah, and the problem with that is that the body armor is creates even further emotional suppression. Exactly. So, like you know it's totally great to do some sort of physical activity every day we go for a hike every day in nature it's like one of the best times of the day for us but if you tend to have trauma emotional suppression then working out can actually intensify the body armor and even intensify the almost like compression of the emotions in your body and you're just like a walking time bomb like yes. waiting to explode you know yeah. like i mean we talk if you, people talk about roid rage you know yeah. and yeah it's partially due to the hormones they're taking but to me it's also like when i see someone who's like really kind of compressed and like you know working out i just see like just emotional suppression too so you know, we got to kind of walk a fine line. And if you're more someone who tends towards emotional suppression and you know that you have trauma, then hardening your body is probably the worst thing that you can do. You need more stretching and letting the emotions yes. flow. For example, I, I can easily hold tension. So that's some questions for you guys out there. 
ask you, you know, again, all, all about self-observation. Tune into your body. Where do you feel tension in your body? Can you actually feel the tension? Maybe you feel numb in certain parts. Can you tune into it? Can you feel into it? Maybe there's some emotion, but how does it feel? The texture, like the, the image that comes up, really like observe yourself. And that's a key point. Can you also feel your feelings? Now, whatever comes up, because most of you feel feelings, especially more quote-unquote negative ones, uncomfortable ones, and we try to escape them right away by distracting ourselves, avoiding, you know, avoiding strategies and all of that, addictions. But can you allow yourself to feel your feelings without judgment, without uh, intellectual analysis, meaning without labeling them anything, and also without trying to fix anything, just allowing yourself to feel the feeling. Yeah, that's, that's already a big, that alone is the hardest thing to do for most people, by the way. Yeah, I think it's also, you know, David Hawkins has this great practice in his book called Letting Go, where you just basically allow yourself to feel whatever it is you're feeling without trying to fix, yes. change it, breathe into it and let it go. And this should be, I mean, should is not like my favorite should. word, but it's but it's it's a tool that I basically use pretty much throughout my day. You know, anytime I feel like a stuckness or a stickiness or a heaviness or whatever, like this emotional regulation is like a, a an every moment of the of your life job. It's not just something you do for an hour a day. Like you need to be self aware all the time. Yeah, exactly. So that's some tips on psychological somatic work. Again, the the importance to engage in this is because we want to make the darkness conscious, shadow work, the unconscious conscious. It all relates to trauma work. Why? Because if you, any unconscious trauma we carry, or shadow aspects we're not aware of, can lead also to unconscious self-sabotage, right? We will keep ourselves in uh, never find the right partner or get into wrong, quote-unquote, abusive relationships or lose a job or lose money and can create abundance and all of that. But all of that, the kingdom is within ourselves. So we need to do the work to work through the layers to ultimately then find our true self, our essence, which brings us to the third point, the spiritual connection and connection to essence. Um, so let's, were you going to want to touch upon this or go Yeah, let's that? just touch on this. So yeah. returning to essence is your essential nature, who you really are beyond all over the world's conditioning. Yeah. And it's really beautiful, you know, because I this is my favorite part of doing the course with people because we kind of take them through a pretty intense program. It's yeah. definitely, uh, you know, an intensive But then what I see happening with people is their essence returning to them. And like, I've mm. seen this when people I'm coaching with too. It's like, that's how I know that the healing is happening. They just become more them and all these like anxious, depressed, aggressive, fearful trauma responses tart, start to soften and their true nature starts to reveal itself. It's almost like their soul that you can kind of pierce through underneath the trauma if you're more sensitive starts to come more to the front. So that's what we're trying to do is like recover the essential nature. That's why we do this kind of work. That's why we do in-depth psychological work because we know that it kind of bridges the gap so that you can anchor these higher kind of spiritual energies within you. Exactly. So you're not trying to become a version of yourself that you think is the most enlightened version of yourself. You're just trying to become more you. Yes. And like, do you think that like Adyashanti is like pretending to be some sort of spiritual person? No, he's just being himself. That's why people like him. 
Yeah. So that's what we're trying to do. That's the whole point is like not to get some sort of spiritual egoic identity and like I'm this 8D Lemurian princess or whatever. Well, you know what I mean? That- like people dress up all of they, 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 they create these new identities and labels for themselves. But the most beautiful and soul based expression of yourself that's the goal is so that you can just become more you and become just better at doing that. And that's where your strength, your beauty, all of your gifts and your talents lie. So that's the whole point. That reminds me like there's this whole, I don't want to get into the right now, but you reminded me there's this whole new revival of people speaking about 5d and all of that. They're just throwing that around. Um, That's a whole other story. The whole new age, like um, delusion. Uh, but um, let's dive deep into that now. We're at the end of the first hour. And the second hour, really dive deep into the spiritual connection, how to connect to essence, what spiritual work truly entails. And you're right, it needs to happen both together. That's really the core of our work as well, Come really fusing psychological work with spiritual work to bring those two areas together. And it's not either or, but both together. Um, and I want to finish the first hour with a quote by H. Almas, a uh, teacher whose work I really appreciate and his diamond approach and uh learned a lot from him and he made an excellent quote about suffering and essence and <clears throat> that's really the core aspect what it comes down to why many of us people suffer you know it's more psychological suffering uh inner suffering almost quote-unquote unnecessary suffering so he writes suffering always arises when you're out of contact with essence you know essence is the true self your true essence as opposed to the personality you identify with all the different parts you have as well or seeking something other than essence if you value anything husbands wives children girlfriends parents jobs money sports cars anything at all over what is true in you there is suffering automatically that movement outwards, seeking satisfaction from external reality, wounds you. It is a wound to your heart. It is not that the factors of our external lives or our human desires are antithetical to our work, the great work, the great inner work. Like everything else, they can be respected and understood for what they are. But if they come before essence, there will be suffering, pain, frustration, and anger. Now you can also substitute essence, you can uh, talk about God, the divine, anything that becomes before you, God, before the divine, your relationship to divine is the most important and needs to come before anything else. That's the deeper meaning of uh, what's written in what Jesus said, that seek the kingdom within first, right? Have this connection to essence first, first and foremost, to God, to the divine, not some dogmatic God out in the sky, this many people in religious fever project human qualities on this bearded guy in the sky know your essence within your divine within your truth to the divine that kingdom within once you have connected that connection more and more everything else will be given to you that's really the the deeper meaning of all it and that's why we do the work we're doing uh, but we have to remove all the layers we've got to engage in the sincere inner work in our shadow work in trauma to remove all of that that's in the way of essence and then really clear our vessel to embody the divine force to connect to essence our true being and that the, the essence of our true being is also true joy joy for being alive for you know being this embodied gnostic being that doesn't depend on anything externally and that's really uh what we're working on or our aim is so to speak so again um 
depending when you listen to this podcast, we still have a few spots left for our 12-week uh, group coaching program, Embodied Soul Awakenings, that starts July 25th. You can apply at thattimeoftransition.com. And now in the second hour, we go deeper into the spiritual work, esoteric work. I also want to talk about um, decision-making process. There's a lot of people have fear of making, quote-unquote, bad decisions. Now, so we want to talk about this. Uh, ties into intuition, even hostile forces, how they interfere with our decision-making process and all of that. We'll talk more about this in the second hour. If you're not a member already, you can sign up at my website, veilofreality.com, to get access to all the second hours and also to support our work. We appreciate you very much and see you all in the second hour. Thank you. Thank you. 